Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are discussing two more chapters of The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. We read chapters seven and eight, both Shalon chapters this time around, wherein Shalon pursues a, a path to try and become Jasna's ward. Yasna, sorry. And it seems to, in the end, work out. I don't know if it resolved itself faster than you guys were thinking, but uh, I don't feel like it was too quick. Anyway, I'm Data, and with me today is... Jack. Joe. And Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Fair in the blade, the spirit of the fallen faith, soil and degrade, my legacy in vain. Bend in the code, the father to the longest. So yeah, yeah, we got two Shalon chapters, some exploration of uh, of Carbronth. What did you guys think of these two chapters? Man, like this guy fucking Yalb coming through just as MVP this chapter. Yep. It's like, all right, yeah, I'll find you the book the bookkeepers, and then just on the fly comes up with this scam to make sure she gets them at a good price. I'm like, dude, that was some quick fucking thinking. You did well. I like you. <laughs> like chap- chapters overall were good. Feel it. I, we say this every time when we're early in a book. It is it is set up, but it was interesting. I don't think this took this was too quick for Shalan to get officially taken in by Yasna because like now that we have an idea, an inkling of what Shalan's plan is, I'm like, all right, well, we don't want to spend too much time getting into Yasna's good graces because otherwise it's just going to be that that's going to be extra padding. So no, I th- I, I I like the pace at which this moved. I yeah. Uh, really, all I have to say for, the, for these chapters is fucking Yalb, MVP. <laughs> he absolutely was. Like, from from the fact that she was just like, you're still waiting for me? Like, it's been hours to uh, to the end. Yeah, he's just all the way through. Good guy, Yalb. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, 100% agree with Dak here. I, I was actually thinking before we started the podcast, like, what do I want to talk about? Because although, you know, there's quite a bit, these chapters do take a little bit to read there's not a ton that happens but yeah my one big thing that i was like man this yelp guy's awesome i hope uh i hope he's not just like a minor character that's now done with i hope he pops back up because he seems like a fun guy and he also seems like a you know a reliable dude so uh good guy yelp for the win other than that shalan shalan yeah, I feel like the timing for her. I, I feel like if we went much m- many more chapters without her becoming the word of of Jasna and and also nothing else happening to her, that it would be way too much. So I feel like this was the appropriate amount of time for her to become the word. the The way that it was written, maybe the story pieces don't fit perfectly for why she why she decides to make her a word. But at the same time, it's it's not undeserved. So definitely definitely enjoyed both the chapters and uh, I'm, but I am excited to get back to Kaladin. I'm I'm like, let's take a break from Shalon. <laughs> Spoiler. I think the last three chapters of uh, there's, there's three more, there's three more chapters left in part one of the book. And I think they're all going to be Kaladin. So. Oh, well, 
but yes, I, I, it's because, it, okay, so last week, Jamie's like, I wonder if she'll be able to annoy Yasna into like taking her on. And so, as I was reading for this week, I was like, is that what she does? Does she just annoy her to the point of, I don't know that I would say that, but uh, it, there's some parts of it that are almost that. I reckon we're, we're not quite at annoy until you finally give in. I think, like, I feel like it was earned in some capacity, but I also feel like if she was, like, if Yasna was really set on, like, not having her there, that it would have taken a lot longer. Mm. Like, we're really only talking about it's been a couple of hours since she met her for the first time. So I was like, oh, okay. I I think my sentiments overall uh, definitely echo Dak and Joe. MVP for sure and was definitely the standout of these chapters, um, our new friend. And I actually really enjoyed her process when she was drawing. I at first thought, oh, my God, we're going to sit here and talk about all her drawing, like, for ages, what the hell. <laughs> but I, like, I, li- I liked it and how, like, the so the create creativity spread or creation spread or whatever yeah, they were, they come spread. and, like, check out what she's doing and it sort of got more intense and I liked how it was like from her memory and then on a page there was a lot of discussion about like it's part of the soul like that memory is a part of the soul and then put into the into the page and I was like oh I wonder I wonder what this is it could just be drawing but it could be a little bit more going on with it as well yeah like I sort of liked how intense that got I didn't feel like it went on too long I don't think we need more chapters of her drawing but I I quite quite enjoyed it and little snippets of like what the hell happened at home she just Mm. there's more and more to be uncovered about Shalan and I I feel really like her so I'm pleased that we're kind of at the end of that she's making her case to Yasna I think if that went on much longer it would probably be dragging but I think it's the pacing's been pretty pretty good so far. So yeah, still enjoying it. Okay. Yeah, I personally I I kind of like the uh the drawing bits where because she's I I can't draw. And so like seeing this person who's like actually a really good artist and their process and stuff is interesting to me just because I am completely devoid of that talent. Yeah, and part of me is like okay, yes there's obviously like talent there and and I've got a lot of artsy friends and you know, you're like, okay, cool. I can sort of see and how you think about that. That that makes sense. But I'm also wondering how much, like, is there something else going on in there mm-hmm. as well? I don't know whether it's sort of within the realms of what we already know or if there's something else happening. Not sure. Wouldn't even uh, hazard a guess at this point. But I don't know. She could have some special ability. Yeah, I think it's I definitely know. intentional to, that uh, Brandon's like, is is she just a good artist or is there something more going on here? Mm little bit yeah. of tease. Absolutely. It's working. Good job, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere he's listening. This just gone. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate Probably. that. Yeah. Of all the accolades that made the most impact. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here, let's, uh, let's get into these chapters. And I, I think Joe's Joe is probably right that we may get through these relatively quickly. And then next week, of course, we will have six to deal with. So that may take a little longer. It'll balance out. Chapter seven is called Anything Reasonable. And do you, anybody have any idea what, like, there's a symbol that happens at the beginning of the chapters for Kaladin's chapters, and there's one that happens for Shalon's chapters. And I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but Kaladin's chapters it seems to be like a bunch of spears and like a, a flag or something, which makes sense to me. 
does anyone have any clue what just at the beginning of Shalon's chapters is? It's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, well, <laughs> can you describe it? Because I feel like I must not have been really paying attention. What does it look like? Oh, like, goodness. I'm not even sure how to describe like, it. Here, I'm going to send you the yeah. picture of it. Like, yeah, can Duck or someone put a photo I'll, in the chat? I'll, 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 take, I'll take a picture now and put it in the group chat. Because, yeah, I don't know how you describe that. So are we talking about the bit, like, where it's got the name of the chapter or the bit underneath it? The bit under the, the circle, the circular bit, yeah. Oh, the circular looks bit. Looks like a volcano. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of does look like a volcano. The circular bit, again, I don't know what this means because I went to the con blind, but it looks like a a giant creature that people were uh, cosplaying at at the con to me. Yeah. Uh, that's what it looks like to me Ooh. anyway. There were, there were monster cosplayers at the con? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, I don't know what they're considered in this, this world, uh, if they're I... considered monsters or what, but... I put an image of Kaladin's so that you can kind of compare from the previous. Oh, okay, chapter. let me see. Kaladin's here. <laughs> Monsters, you say, and it looks. Could there be tentacles? I mean, if there's yeah, all... I, I, yeah. when I heard monster, I went tentacle monster for sure. <laughs> His, uh, yeah, that looks like could a war be. banner for him. Um, but then on hers, just to comment on the guys surrounding the little thing. I mean, that to me looks like how she describes a certain type of priest like with the shaved head and the beard and stuff oh yeah oh yeah yeah each uh we haven't talked about that before that either but each of the chapters does start with like also this little kind of arch and it's got the different faces on so uh so yeah um, you know what uh what could I think is the what soul casting of the like the marble into the ground or something i don't know i can't i can't really make it out even if you can look at it uh, like uh, up close, big in the book, it's still kind of like, what on earth are you? At least I think so. Mm. Okay, yeah, just curious if you guys had any thoughts on that as I was moving past it. Uh, the the epigraph, they are aflame, they burn, they bring the darkness when they come, and so all you can see is that their skin is aflame. Burn, burn, burn. Subject was a baker's apprentice. Twenty one seconds pre death. Yeah, really cheery. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't know that any of these have seemed particularly cheery. To be fair, I mean, well, he's talking. I, he's a baker's apprentice. He's saying they're aflame. They burn. Did he just turn the oven up too high with the morning's loaves? <laughs> Could you imagine that something was burning in the oven? It's a flame. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, he just looks. Um, he's like flamey toth. <laughs> I have a question in regards to the the epigraphs. So yeah. we. We did speak that, like, the days of the weeks and the months and stuff were all, like, out. Any chance there's, like, a table or something we could see as to, like, what order those months or days happen in? Oh, like the so – Like, like, like we calendar. know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, yeah, like, we know we know the sequence, but, like, about our days. But I'm reading the days. And I, I noticed that the years seem to be – consecutive so we started in 1171 and now we're in 1172 but i don't know when they're like it's the first of whatever it was and all that sort of stuff like i don't know if there's a, an order to that or if you could enlighten us question. if there's an order to that let me brochure and calendar yeah that's what i'm looking at talked about how it's 10 months with 10 weeks each the months and the weeks are named after the Voran numerals which in turn are derived from the names of the heralds and are sometimes combined into abbreviations uh, week is made up of five days, with the month being ten weeks. 
So there might not be, and that's okay. I just I didn't obviously want to go googling it. Um, right. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, no, I'm not going to be that person. But um, I wasn't sure if there was like a table in the back of the book or something that we could see. I don't um, think so. Just noticing that the years were kind of consistent in that prompted the question. Cool to see if they were in some kind of order. Um. Wait. Hold on. Now. Now I'm looking at. I. I, I got to find out. So collected on Pala Palahishev. 1120 1172 so that sounds like oh okay i get it so like pala is the name of the month and then you combine oh my goodness so yeah the the weeks then have a name each week so like the first week of pala is pala and then the second week is palahan and so the first day of the first week of that month is pala Palahes- oh. oh my goodness. Okay, so yeah, this is this is complex, and uh, <laughs> I, I did find a big table with all that stuff on it. But so hold on, what, what day of the month is this? Palahishev is the fifth month. Uh, the tenth week, the fourth day of the tenth week. So it's like the second to last day of the month. Wow. Okay. So yes, I could tell you the order uh, if, if you if you wanted to know that uh, in comparison to the others. But uh, it it is uh, not the easiest to find on a big table. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. I wouldn't mind if we get to it eventually, a comparison of just the two chapters we've read today. Oh, that's fair. Hold on. Let's, let's just while we're talking about it now, no reason we might forget. Let's see. So the other oh, one is collected on Ishashan 1172. So they're both 1172. Ishashan is the 10th month. Ish. Uh, did, I, did I get that spelling right? These all start with Ishi. None of these is I S H A. Did I? Am I wrong about what month this is? No. Maybe that's a typo because I don't see an Ishashan. Is there an Ish? Is there one with maybe an A? It's all right. You did say that the first one was the fourth month, and then the second one is the tenth month. So. Yes, I, get, I can, I can get that much. <laughs> no, that's cool. Thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah, I think it must be Ishiashan. I think they just left the eye out. So that would make this the 10th month, the sixth week, and the second day of the week. So anyway, fun. There's a lot of work into creating the, the background of this world. More than I uh, was recognizing. Uh, okay, so when we yeah, left... A lot of Sh- yeah, no joke. Ugh, when we left Shalon, she had been denied her request to become uh, a ward. And so she's like, nah, screw that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it because I got to rob this lady. And so we start out with her rushing down the hall, like trying to figure out what she's going to do. Yeah. Got to rob this lady blind. Can't just give up. Some parchment have shown up with rags and buckets and stuff to clean off all the soot from Yasna turning a giant rock into smoke in the middle of this hallway. And I like to note that as a child, she found the patterns of their marbled skin beautiful. That had been before her father forbade her from spending any time with the parchment. And so she's like, how am I going to convince this woman, one of the most powerful women in the world, to change her mind? Hmm. And we find out that in recent years, her house has kind of prospered and she'd never really questioned where all of a sudden all of this money was coming from. It's just every time they needed more money, her father would go out with his surveyor and they would discover a new quarry that they could mine. What luck. But it, it, after his death, they figured out that he'd been creating these new deposits with his forbidden soul caster. Nobody knew where he'd gotten the soul caster, but uh, he had one. He's not supposed to. And so it had been damaged the night that he died, whatever happened there, 
and they'd had someone repair it, but it did not work any longer. And apparently there's a guy, one of her father's closest confidants, Luesh, who could use the device and he can he confirmed that it does not work anymore. And it says had been trained to use the device, which makes it sound like uh, Jamie theorized last time. That's like, you know, could Shalon use it? Is it possible? Is there you have to have some sort of special je ne sais quoi to be able to use a soul caster? Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's a training thing, but I immediately don't trust this guy. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work anymore. Who can prove it? That's mm. fair. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he did, if he was untrustworthy, he probably wouldn't have given it back. He probably been like, well, since it doesn't work, I'll just hold on to it, shall I? I'll just leave. <laughs> and so they have kind of isolated backcountry estates. And so they think that they can get away with pretending he's alive for a while, maybe a year. And in the meantime, it's her plan to come and find Yasna, learn where she kept the soul caster and then swap it out for the one that doesn't work. So that may assuage some of the concerns that you guys had about like, you know, is she going to have to go on the run? If she actually manages to swap it out and Yasna's just like, oh, my soul caster broke, then maybe it to, she can get away with it. I mean, that is hypothetically possible, but I feel like uh, Yasna's going to be like, that's not mine. What the fuck? Yeah, not only I that. I wrote my like, name on the inside of mine. <laughs> we don't know the nature of how these things could break, but I doubt it's easily. So she'd probably be like, well, it didn't just break like mm, on its own. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, she's not she, like she seems a bit, you know, too clever to be like, oh, the fuck did I do last night? And I broke the most valuable thing in my possession. <laughs> But yeah, so their plan is to get this. She's going to go home. They're going to make new quarries. They're going to make food to feed their house soldiers, all sorts of good stuff with the Soulcaster. And she's hoping that uh, Yasna will think one of her many enemies like broke the Soulcaster after she switches it. She's like, well, I'll worry about that when I get there. First step first. And so Shalon finds someone and asks to be taken to the Palanium, which you recall is where Yasna was headed. She didn't want to go to the big party. She wanted to go to the Palanium. Every time they say palladium, I think they're saying palladium. And then I'm like, what, do they want to get poisoned? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like this big, giant room inside the mountain. And Shalon is really impressed. Like, wow, this is really beautiful. The it's like beautifully carved out of here. And uh, we find out that it was I think she's like, oh, was it Soulcast? And Servant's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so she wants to she's not allowed to enter until she has a chit of admittance. And she's like, oh, how much does that cost? One thousand sapphire bromes. It's like, holy crap. OK. And so we find out that this is what Carbronth has to sell. They're like we have fish and we have bells and we have information. And the first two are not unique to us. So are, what are sapphire bromes? Are they the highest currency? Do we know? So the brome is the largest size of currency. Okay. The, uh, I think I think we found out that emeralds yeah, were emeralds the most valuable the most. stone. So this okay. is somewhere below that, but it's still the largest of the three sizes. So it doesn't. By, uh, so if I say to you a thousand sapphire bromes, is there no computable smaller amount of other jewels that could be used? They have right, to be yeah. sapphire bromes. You have to carry in a thousand like bag or a thousand spheres in a bag. Uh, that is an excellent question. I wonder if we can find an answer to that. Because, because uh, I mean, if that was the if that was the case, if you could just convert it, why the hell would you say a thousand sapphire bromes? Why wouldn't you just say the smaller amount of whatever it transfers to? Mm, that's a fair point. Uh, okay, so let's see. So, yes, the highest value is an emerald. Sapphire and amethyst are the second highest value. So, according to this chart, mm-hmm. the value of a okay, so. 
using a base of a one, which is the cheapest, a diamond chip. So the smallest uh, diamond is a one. A sapphire brome is worth 500, and an emerald brome is worth a 1,000. So you would have 500 emerald bromes to make 1,000 sapphire bromes. Yeah, so I don't know why you wouldn't just say that, because it's like, why I wouldn't tell somebody if I needed two bucks. I'm like, I need 200 pennies for me. <laughs> it made a damn sense. That is weirdly specific. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, it may be, according to this, let's see, because this has them on tiers. Like, diamond is the cheapest. The tier called less weight is garnet, heliodor, and topaz. Middleweight is ruby, smokestone, and zircon. And pr- this tier is prime pair, amethyst, and sapphire. And then emerald is the highest tier. So it may be that this, like, prime pair tier is, like, the 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 default that you use for stuff i don't know i don't know maybe he's just trying to inform us about like more of the things that exist by throwing this in i guess but it's again it's just one of those things to me that i'm like yeah i'm not going to tell you 200 pennies for two dollars i'm not going to tell you uh any four quarters even for a dollar unless i specifically needed quarters for some reason that's fair interesting i've never actually read these uh these charts before so i had no idea that that was how it was laid out Hmm. you're welcome yeah I'm learning new things too. Yay. And it all, this also has like the sphere gemstone measurements. So like a chip is 0.1 carats and a mark is 0.5 carats and a brome is two carats. So brome is considerably larger than either of the other two. It's like four times mailed as big it, as the next one down. Mailed it to the Marx Brothers. Here's a, here, I'm going to, I'm going to put this image in the chat too. This is an image of, uh, the Marx Brothers of, of the currency. Oh, <laughs> like glowy marbles interesting i feel like spherical is a weird shape for money but maybe that's just because i'm used to you know flat that can stack you can't stack yeah, it's spheres. Sure. it's not exactly um practical for a wallet like we have but i guess um you know if you just yeah you know, just pouches ca- right you got a, you got a marble pouch yeah yeah i i feel like it would be hard to sort them though because they're round you know that's true they would get unsorted very quickly unless you had different pouches for yeah. Well, that's a lot of pouches to carry. Right. Yeah. You just have to have one pouch and you like pull out a handful and pick out the ones that you want. I guess it's it was the same when you had like a, a coin pouch that was yeah, just you know, throwing coins in there. So it's not that different. No, it's different. <laughs> uh, so the king's hospitals require much upkeep, and so the the palladium is the finest collection of tomes and scrolls on on Roshar, more even than the holy enclave in Valath. At last count, there were over 700,000 separate texts. So they make money to support all of the hospitals that Carbranth has by selling access to this information. And she's just like, oh, my gosh, I could spend months here reading stuff like this is awesome. I love books. No, no. Wait, eye on the prize. Pay attention. Got to got to stop my house from like falling and all of us from being assassinated before I worry about things like books. Get rich, then buy the library. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> got to concentrate. It's not about Nate. It's all about the art. <laughs> oh man, that is a very cut. yeah. It's a deep cut. <laughs> oh, that's uh, in in case anyone was wondering, that is from Commentary the Musical, which is the commentary track available on the DVD version of Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog, which in and of itself is uh, yeah. a rare find. <laughs> I mean, there's some great songs on there though. Ninja no, Rose. No, Commentary is great. Ninja Rose. Yep, ten dollars uh, yeah, solo, solo. Great song. The Moist song. That was before that guy was on Big Bang Theory. It was. It was he was not nearly uh, as famous as he became later. Yep. 
Anyway, um, <laughs> so she, she's like, okay, I'm not, I don't have a thousand sapphire bromes, so can I just wait for somebody out here? Like, oh yeah, there's some like greeting alcoves you're allowed to sit in. And so she asks her to go and find out if Yasna has one. And then we get a couple of little flashes about like uh, her youth. She was the only daughter. She felt like a piece of delicate crystalware locked in a cabinet to be displayed, but never touched. But then after the incident, it was she'd been the one to take charge. Nan Balot bruised, his coat torn, a long silvery sword in her hand, sharp enough to cut stones as if they were water. And then she goes, nope, nope, don't think about it. Don't. So it sounds like somebody they knew killed their dad. Like, is that what I'm understanding? She was the one with the sword and she was like a magic sword bearer. It's definitely, I think, intentionally vague here. So what we know is Nan Balat, whoever that is. Right. Was bruised and had a torn coat. And she recalls holding a, a, a long sword in her hand. Uh, it, sharp enough to cut stones as if they were water, which I think implies that it may be a shard blade. Right. But uh, yeah, I, she held a sword at some point. Somebody that she knows the name of was bruised and coat torn. So Okay, so maybe not specifically that person's sword but somebody should do yes gazna does have an alcove you can go sit in there if you want okay and so she's like i gotta have a plan yasna's not gonna just change her mind easily i gotta come up with something and so she sits down in yasna's alcove and she's like okay first i need to clear my mind if i want a plan so she pulls out some drawing paper her charcoal pencils her brushes and ink and all this stuff and she's gonna start drawing and she we, we saw an instance or two earlier of her, like, taking these memories that she's now going to, like, put down on paper. She took a memory of Yalp. She took a memory of Yasna doing the soul casting thing. And at the time, I don't know that it was clear, like, what does that even mean? What is she? Why is why is it saying this? But now we kind of know she's doing this in order to draw it later. And so she draws Carbronth the way that it looked when she she got here. And we get, as Jamie said, a pretty lengthy description of her her drawing and uh, how she's approaching this, the way that she she moves and creates these pictures. And she, it says that she's transferred the, the memory onto the page. The memorized image is gone from her head, so she can't do it again. She couldn't draw the same exact thing again. The memory is now gone. She'd have to go and take a new memory. Then she draws Yalb. And she's like, can I get that smirk just right? Like this guy, he's uh, – yeah. He's great. This seems to be like the weird magical thing to this, because like, what do you mean you you took a memory and then now it's gone? It does seem a little bit strange, right? Like there's yeah, that there's definitely implication that there's something more going on. Then again, I've never had a you know like photographic memory to draw from, so maybe that's the way it would work. I don't know. She she does it does get a little flowery where it's like. When she collected a memory of a person, she was snipping free a bud of their soul that she cultivated and grew it on the page. Okay, well, and there's the creation spren. They pop up and they're looking at her work. Like other spren, they were said to always be around, but usually invisible. Sometimes you attracted them, sometimes you didn't. And with drawing, skill seemed to make a difference. So more skilled people draw more spren. The better you are, the more of an audience you have when you do it. That's intimidating. Right? And I do like these creation spren because they just transform into random stuff. It's like an urn, a person, a table, a wheel. Always the same color and the same little height, but uh, that's kind of kind of neat. Just as a bright fire would draw flame spren. She'd learn to ignore them. They weren't substantial. You could move your arm right through it. It would smear like scattered sand and then reform. These spren are just like a fact of the world, for a fact of life for these people, but it's just the more you hear about them, the weirder it seems to me. 
we uh, she used to draw the servants when she was a child back home until her father discovered it. And he was like, my daughter drawing pictures of dark eyes. One of the infrequent times he directed his infamous temper at his daughter. So that's when she started drawing animals and plants and stuff, because that was OK. Zoology and botany were proper feminine pursuits. And it's that he'd even encouraged her to choose natural history as her calling, which we find out is what she chose as her calling. They, she talked about that earlier. And so we come, she finishes the picture of Yalb, and now comes, this is the one that she's been working towards. She's going to put down the image of Yasna Colon and the soul caster, turning the, the rock into smoke. And so she's, like, she's holding, like, the board with a piece of paper on it with her safe hand. So, like, through the sleeve that she has to wear, she can still hold the thing. She, I mean, it would be hard to do, like, the drawing part with that hand, but she it can at least hold it. The power of change itself, the power by which the Almighty had created Roshar, he had another name allowed to pass only the lips of Ardents. Elithanathiel, he who transforms. Optimus Prime, got it. <laughs> the Almighty is Optimus Prime. You know, I, you could have worse uh, Almighty gods, I'm just saying. Oh, yep. boy. Rosharians, roll out. <laughs> And she she gets this the picture of Yasna down. She thinks it looks really good. I like she's like I in my own way I've done something that even the Ardens can't do. I've captured a little piece of Yasna Colon. And so now that she's she's drawn, she's cleared her mind. She starts coming up with a plan. Like Yasna would listen. She was that kind of person. She would appreciate strength, but only if it was shaped by logic. So she's like, I'm gonna write her a letter. Uh, a very logical letter that shows shows that I can write, but also shows that I can reason. And she explains to her, look, I get it. I accept your decision to reject my petition, but let me like make an argument for why you should reconsider. And she says, uh, among other things, that she was like, all, she, yes, she's missing a lot of things in her education, but that's because she had to teach herself pretty much everything that she knew. She had tutors sometimes, but none of them ever stayed long. My stepmother tried to teach me, but she had no education herself. It's a carefully guarded secret, but many of the rural Vedan house, houses ignore the proper training of their women. I guess not that closely guarded. You just told Yasna about it. But Each tutor she had, she had three tutors when she was a kid, each lasting only a few months, citing my father's temper or rudeness as her reason for leaving. So we're hearing about this guy's temper again. It does, it's, it does not bode well. And so she's just like, look, I've had to struggle for all the knowledge I've gained. Isn't that what you want rather than someone who's had all this knowledge handed to them and has it all ready to go? Someone who's willing to like fight to learn and, and values what they learn more as a result of that. And so she gets, she comes up with this, with the letter. And I, I like the thought. She's like, this seemed like the right thing to do all f for, for all that. The fact that this letter was a lie, a lie built off of truths. She hadn't really come to study under Yasna. She was here to steal from her. And just as she's kind of getting ready to, you know, leave the letter and pack up, a guy shows up. And let's see, he's got a narrow face, keen blue eyes, his beard trimmed short and square and his head shaved, which I, I agree that that does sound a little bit like that picture that we saw of the guy with the beard and the, and the bald head at the beginning. And he's like, would you mind terribly if I waited with you? He had a faint Herdazian accent, which I will I will note that in. This, this is what I mentioned to you guys at some point that one of the cultures on Roshar, like I forget if it was the regular audiobook or the graphic audiobook, but the narrator decided to give it like a 
like an Australian accent, this culture. Oh, that's these guys. And that is the Herdazians. Yeah. So uh, he's he's got a faint accent, but that's that's what that accent would be, according to that. And so this guy is going to support this choice. Yes. Uh, like uh, that. Uh, that's why I think it's it's kind of semi official now is because Brandon's like, oh, yeah, no, that's great. And there will be some some full accented Herdazian characters showing up at some point. So you guys will get to learn more about them. So this we've heard about Ardents a few times before now, and this guy is, is one of them. And he asks if he can sit, and she's going to give him her seat. And he's like, no, I, I get my own seat. It's fine. And then he sees uh, her her drawings and is really impressed. And she's like, yes, y- yes, Arden, these are mine. And he's like, oh, don't, don't be so formal. I'm, I'm Brother Cabsol, or just Cabsol really is fine. And he's, by Vetilev's golden keys, brightness, did Yasna Colin teach you such skill with pencil? And he, she's like, no, no, Ardent. He's like, God, why do you got to be so, so, so formal? Am I, am I all that intimidating? He's like, no, I've been brought up to show respect for Ardents. I, I myself find that respect is like manure. Use it where needed and growth will flourish. Spread it too thick and things just start to smell. I love that line. That was so cool. Yep. That is a great simile. I, I agree. <laughs> and But she's like, oh, my gosh, an Ardent just talked about manure. This is very wrong. I got to ask. They don't seem to have cattle in this world. They have chull. So yeah. is uh, is crab shit the manure? I guess so. I mean, unless they have some other source of manure, yeah. yeah. They have horses. I mean, people we have heard of horses. Oh, true, yeah. true, yeah. Apparently, they're way more valuable than chulls, so they may be comparatively rarer. I don't know. Maybe they're just harder to breed. Maybe chulls, like, breed like crazy. <laughs> Giant crabs breeding like crazy? Sounds like my <laughs> kind of place. <laughs> High quality manure is still manure, though. It's true. <laughs> so that's where it come from. It'll erupt into a veritable orgy, uh, orgy of invertebrate sex. <laughs> All right, I am there. Fry, do you even know what invertebrate means? No, that's not, that's the not what I'm interested in. <laughs> Man, who would have thought we could use that quote in context? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's true. It, it, it doesn't come up as often as you might think. He's a doctor. A, a doctor, honey. <laughs> Uh, she's like, no, if I showed an ardent a lack of respect, then I would be showing a lack of respect to the Almighty. I was like, oh, okay, okay. Is this how you would respond to the Almighty, all the formality and bowing? And she's like, no, I mean, probably with screams of pain, as it's written that to look on the Almighty's glory is such that you would immediately be burned to ash. So, yeah, no, that makes sense. And so he's like, hey, what do I have to do to put you at ease? Do you want me to get up on the table and dance? And she just stares. And he's like, no objection? Alrighty then. <laughs> And she's like, no, please, please don't dance on the table. I promise not to respect you any longer. He's like, ah, the table jig thread always works. <laughs> Almost always works. I've only ever had to go through it with it once. And he says that he lost a bet one time. And she's like, well, but you're an ardent. You can't have possessions. What did you bet? Two deep breaths of a winter rose's fragrance and the sunlight's warmth on your skin. That's abstract. All right. And she says that he asked her, no, really, where did you learn how to draw like this? And she says, Dandos the oil sworn. He's like, oh, yeah, master of the pencils. Now, I don't, I don't want to doubt you, but I am curious how he could have taught you since last I checked. He's been dead for 300 years. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I learned my, my dad had a book of his instruction. She learned this from a book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's. I need to read more. That's I like that line, too. That was good. That was good. I laughed at that. And then he lacquers the picture for her. And she's like, oh, I can do that. And he's like, no, no, I'm an ardent. We don't know what to do with ourselves if we're not keeping busy doing things for others. It's best just to humor me. 
And so he says, oh, so you're from Yaakov Ed? And she's like, yeah, you know that from my hair or from the accent? And he's like, well, really from the way that you treat Ardents. The Vedan church is by far the most traditional. And so he's like, what does Brightness Yasna think of your skill? And she's like, yeah, she doesn't seem to care about the visual arts. And he's uh, he has the impression that she's part of Yasna's entourage. And she's like, oh, man, I didn't mean to give you that impression. Look, I'm I'm trying to get taken on as a ward. I'm not like with her, with her. And so he asked if she will do him a favor. And she says, yeah, OK. And he's like, let her know that I stopped by, okay? And Yasna's, or Shalon's like, I mean, what business does Yasna have with an ardent when she's a confirmed atheist? It's like, she knows you? And he's like, well, no, I hope that she's heard of me since I've requested an audience with her several times. But, and I do like, she keeps apologizing for the misunderstanding. He's like, no, don't take responsibility for my assumptions. That's on me, not you. It's, this guy is very personable and uh, and he's he seems nice. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> And as he's leaving, he's like, is there anything that you're fond of other than respecting Ardents and drawing amazing pictures? And she says, jam. He's like, wait, what? You asked what I was fond of. Jam. <laughs> All right. I... <laughs> that is a random response. Like, hey, what do you like? I like jam. All right. Well, it's also a random question. I feel it like. is. It's true. And so then she hears as, after this guy leaves, she hears Yasna coming and she's like, crap, I wanted to be out of here before Yasna got back. This guy distracted me. Too late, Yasna comes in, and she does not look happy, and that's the end of the chapter. So our second chapter is Nearer the Flame, which the pictures around this one look feminine to me, as opposed to the, the guy with the beard that we just saw. Oh, they do too. Also, I think that eye has changed. Has it? I didn't even notice. Let me see. Oh, no, maybe it hasn't. That, between this chapter and the last one, at least, that is the exact same eye. Oh, yeah, I'm going back to I For some reason, I thought it had more of a... Uh, the pupil was more of a slit rather than an hourglass but going back no i I was just misremembering it's possible to change at some point but i don't know Mm. uh the epigraph here victory we stand atop the mount we scatter them before us their homes become our dens their lands are now our farms and they shall burn as we once did in a place that is hollow and forlorn so yeah that's that's nice subject was a light-eyed spinster of the eighth dawn that is a weird thing for uh, (laughs) uh, uh, an old lady to say Yep, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and so Yasna's like, so you are here. And she tries to apologize, and Yasna's like, I've wasted enough time on you already. You're going to leave, and I'm not going to see you again. Do you understand? Yes, I'm sorry. And she takes off. She, I, I left out the part where she there was there's like a, a an urn on the table that she filled with her spheres to create light so that she could draw. And she retreats so fast that she leaves those and, all, and a, a lot of her stuff, it seems like. She has her satchel with her, but other stuff is left behind. And so she runs off and she just like kind of hides around a corner and is just like it says she's barely keeping back the tears of embarrassment and disappointment. Angry people unsettled her. She couldn't help but think of her father in one of his tirades. Couldn't help but hear screams, bellows and whimpers. That doesn't sound good. But if you grow up with somebody with an abusive temper like that, then that is absolutely a normal reaction that people have is like a PTSD thing almost of angry people will like freak you out and make it hard to function. It is a thing I have seen. And she's just berating herself in the corner like idiot. What made you think you could do this? And then all of a sudden someone's like uh, brightness Devar, brightness Colin would like to speak to you. And she's like, what to berate me further. Okay, fine. A high lady like, yeah, and I got what she wanted. So got to force herself to stop shaking and go back. But Yasna actually, Maybe shockingly. Oh, uh, sorry. Before we get to that. So you can see the soul caster and the smoke stone dark and cracked, which she said that she thought that the uh, 
the act of turning the rock into smoke might cost her a smoke stone, which apparently it did because the stone is now cracked and dark. But Yasna, maybe shockingly, is like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. You were showing persistence, a trait I normally encourage. I've often been guilty of being stubborn myself. I've been under strain lately. That's my only excuse. I'm sorry. You know. I don't know that she actually says I'm sorry, but that's the upshot of it. <laughs> and she's like, OK, hey, just while I'm allowed to talk to you again, I did promise that I was going to mention this guy came by to see you. So there you go. <laughs> Put that out there. But what she what she called Shalon back for other than to, maybe other than to the apology is to like, you know, here's your your spheres. And Shalon's like, oh, crap, I'd forgotten about all the money that I left up here. All right. And so uh, Shalon decides to be a little bit bold and is like, what did you think of my letter? And she's like, what letter? Oh, underneath your stack of books that you brought up here. And so Yasna reads the letter and she's like, really? You're self-trained? This That's actually really impressive. And you were right that I would respond well to a written plea. You should have left the note and been gone before I got back. But and so she makes a uh, something she's never allowed any aspiring ward. Once you go and get more information in history and philosophy, I will let you apply again. And on the surface, that is super generous. But with Shalon's reality, it's not helpful. She doesn't have months or years to go off and study and then come back and try again. All she can do is say thank you and go, but this isn't going to work for her. And I like to note that it's like if she had enough time to train under Yasna, just the prestige of being associated with like the royal family of one of the most powerful nations in the world, that might have been enough to save them. But she does not have that time. And so she she heads out. She leaves the the big building at the center here, the conclave. And she's like, what do I do? What what are we going to do? I failed in, in my mission. And. Then all of a sudden, oh, young miss. And here's Yalb, who's been playing, uh, is it cards? He's been playing some sort of game with some guys in guard uniforms. Maybe it's the fact that he you know, he says, uh, actually, no, certainly, the fact that he says young miss makes me think of the, the operative from Serenity. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I just spent the rest of the chapter picturing Chuita Ledger for playing this guy. I'm like, I'll take that. That guy's charming as fuck. He is very charming. I agree. I could, I could see it. <laughs> you guys he's so charming <laughs> i mean you know he's he's all he's evil and charming for most of the movie but uh no, like in like virtually any any movie he's in he's like nah like you're you're a good dude i watch you anytime that's true i mean <laughs> I, I was about to say he's he's also like evil and charming in doctor strange now that i think about it true Not the first one well i guess towards the end of the first one is when he, he kind of takes the turn uh, yeah. yeah and the stinger and well, and then he dies in the second one, so it's like, well, that was fucking pointless. Did he? I think we the, saw him die at the beginning of the second one. We did, didn't? Hold on. No. Uh, I think you're thinking of the third one. Oh, am I wrong? There's only two Doctor Strangers. The, yeah, there's only two. Oh, I'm stupid. No, like they, he was meant to die, and but they deleted the scene and left it open. Uh. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I mean, alternate reality him was also kind of charming and evil, so. Yes. Yep. Anyway, uh, th- there's our MCU diversion of the of the the moment. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, why are you still here? You should have gone back to your ship like hours ago." He's like, oh, "I found myself a game of cabers here with these fine, upstanding gentlemen of the city guard. You didn't need to wait. I didn't need to win eighty chips off these fellows neither, but I did both." <laughs> and I'm like, "They don't want him to leave. They want a chance to win their money back." And he's like, "What? You, you're gonna let me send a light-eyed woman of her stature to walk back to the ship on her own?" I figured you for men of honor. And then 
as they walk away, he's like, man, I love winning against lawmen. I'll have free drinks at the docks once this gets around. And she says, you shouldn't gamble. You shouldn't try to guess the future. I didn't give you that sphere so you could waste it on such practices. That's such yeah. a weird, weird, like, way of Sorry. saying don't gamble. Well, you shouldn't try to predict the future. Like, that's got to be, like, a religious thing, because that doesn't make any sense to say it that way to me. Yeah, just independently, like, don't predict the future. <laughs> that's, yeah. It, it seems like it must be related to something else. I agree. Yeah. I could see the future. <laughs> it ain't gambling if you know you're going to win, young miss. You cheated? Not so loud. Cheating four guardsmen, now that's a trick. Hardly believe I managed it. He said, that is not proper behavior. And he goes, I mean, it is if you're a sailor. That's what they expected of me. Watched me like handlers of poisonous sky eels. Okay, now we know that there's sky eels that are also poisonous, which just, it makes it even worse yeah. than it was before. <laughs> yeah, these, this sounds, yeah, every, every time I hear more about sky eels, I'm just like, why do these things exist? Yeah, no. <laughs> yep, which, whichever shard is on this planet must just hate his people. It seems yeah. like it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like sky eels are something that should be in Australia, though. <laughs> you know what would be hilarious? <laughs> Flying poisonous snakes. Yeah, we got to try that. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're in Herdaz, or was it Herdaz? Yeah. Is that the, yeah, where the, where the Australian people came from. Yep. And so he's like, do you actually want to go back to the boat? I just said that to get out of the situation I was in. And he's like, yeah, I guess. Or she says, yeah, I guess. The meeting was unproductive. And he's like, she didn't take you. What's wrong with her? Chronic competence, I should guess. And so he, he's like, oh, you got to keep trying. I tried twice. And she's, uh, she, he says, I mean, in gambling, the third time's the charm. Although, he actually says, in cards, you, you always got to try a third hand. It wins the most often. And she's like, uh, that's not really true, the laws of probability and statistics. And he's like, yeah, well, whatever. I don't know much about that. <laughs> I, know, I do know the passions. You win when you need it most, you see. So apparently the passions, capital P, is a pagan superstition. Mm-hmm. It sounds like he believes in the heart of the cards to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pull the cards. He's like, you need yeah. he's like, now guardsmen, for my next draw, I will believe in the heart of the cards. Winged Karibo. And you end you, my turn. Yugi didn't have winged Karibo. Technically, he did. Well, he gave it to. He, we we never saw him play it. I guess is what I meant. Correct. He gave it to Jaden Yuki. Um. <laughs> We have the most anyway. random side trips. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Digression accomplished. Uh, so she's like, you know what? I don't know that he's right about, uh, you know, third time's the charm, but what do I have now? I've got shit. I'll try again. The worst that can happen is that she's like, no, I'm not going to let you try again after all. And she's never going to have the chance to try again anyway if her whole family's assassinated. So <laughs> I need a book merchant, she says. Can you find me one who's open at this hour? And he's like, oh, stores will stay open late here. Yeah, I- I'll get you some. And so he just asks around and uh, finds the, the, the book sh- uh, a bookshop. And I do like something that I've heard mentioned in multiple fantasy stories, I think. But it's just like it, it always seems weird. Like, merchants of the same type tend to clump together. Seems dumb if you ask me, but I guess merchants are like fish where you find one, you'll find others. It, uh, I think it, that's it, just speaking to real life, right? Yeah. like. That that does happen. Like you have a Starbucks right across from like another coffee place. That's true. In in my mind, it makes more sense to do like for for example with Chick Fil A, you can't just open a new Chick Fil A anywhere. It's got to be far enough from all the other Chick Fil A's that they think it will be able to make money. Right. But at the same time, they do open chicken restaurants next to Chick Fil A's. Sometimes. That's true. Yeah. 
But it's just I'm like, wouldn't you want to spread out the bookshop so that people in this one area of town, if they want a book, come to you? But maybe it also makes sense on some level to be like, this is the book district. You know, if you want books that you go to this area and you will find books. <laughs> yeah. If you come here, you're going to find some books. It's, it's in the hammock district. <laughs> on third. Hammocks, 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 hammocks. Marianne's hammocks. Good thing about that one, she gets in the hammock with you. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> best Simpsons episode. One of the best, yeah. Oh, Albert Brooks. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it is, uh, he finds a merchant, Artmern, a Thalen name. So probably Yalbage has gone and asked some other Thalens about bookshops. And she enters the shop, and there's not a lot of books displayed in the shop. There's a woman standing behind the counter, but she, when, when uh, she's a Thalen, but she wears a glove. So it's a, uh, Thalens have their own system of ranks. It says at least they weren't completely pagan. They respected eye color and the woman wore a glove on her safe hand. So the woman says, you know, sit down brightness. And then she goes to get the man because apparently doing business is a man's uh, work. And the yeah, guy comes I, in. I can, I can definitely tell you that that is not true. <laughs> and so he, the guy comes in and he's like, Oh, do you want to, Hey, do you want a nice novel? Something uh, to pass the cruel hours while you're separated from a lost love or a book on geography with details on exotic locations. He had a slightly condescending tone and spoke in her native Vedan. And she's like, uh, no, I would like an extensive book, a uh, set of books on history and three on philosophy. And then she gives the names of uh, some of the same names that Jasna said to her, basically. So his assumptions about what she wanted to read that struck mm-hmm. me as a bit weird because isn't, don't we know that like the women seem to be the ones who are well read and doing the research and stuff like that? It's not. Yep, I, I agree. Yeah. It, it feels What's up with more. This guy? It feels more like maybe an age thing to me because she's young, and so he's like, oh, like a teenage girl will want like this kind of thing, right? But I, yeah, you have, you're, it doesn't I, you make a good point. It seems weird all around because even later he's like, yeah, I've had that one read to me. It's good. It's like. Hey, dude, you don't even read it. So, what are you what are you talking about? Well, that, I mean that that's how men find out what's in books is women read it to them. You got the audio. Yeah. That just seems that seems like, like yeah exactly. That seems like such a a weird system. It's like if you're gonna say that culturally men don't read, you might as well just not have it read to you either. I mean, at that point, you got other stuff you yeah. can do. That that is a recurring joke in the fandom is that if you listen to the audiobook, then you are a good Voren man having someone else read it to you he he he, it says he'd probably have his wife read to him even if he could read himself he wouldn't want to offend the customers by doing so in their presence but he would handle the money because commerce was a masculine art in most situations but yeah he's just i mean he's super condescending and jamie makes a good point about like maybe that's not a great idea uh because like how does it make sense here he's like why is a young flower like yourself bothering yourself with such topics can't I interest you in a nice romantic novel? They're my specialty. Maybe that's what it is, is he's the place that people go for romantic novels, and so he's trying to push it. I don't know. Mm. Or maybe it's he just likes romantic novels. Yeah. <laughs> he like he loves, he loves the romance. He loves those Fabio covers. Mm. And he, he keeps pushing in the most foolish way, it seems to me. He's like, are you certain you want something so uh, ambitious? And eventually she has had enough of that, and she starts uh, trying to – kind of talk circles around him with her witticisms. Uh, 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 he's like, uh, I see you were a woman of discriminating taste. And she's like, I mean, I do like my meals prepared carefully. Yeah. 
I mean, discriminating taste in books. I've never eaten one, actually. I did have a moment. Just light song? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? And then she kind of goes off on him about um, discriminating and uh, it's kind of I don't know, certain discriminating is the right word. That's to maintain a prejudice against. Can a person afford to be exclusive with what they ingest? Yeah, they, it just goes on for a while of her. Uh, I really like that spiel. I thought that was cool. It it is it is fun. I agree. And he and as Jamie kind of rightly points out, he kind of deserves it for being an idiot in what he in how he's trying to sell her his books. I just love that she's absolutely playing with her food here. <laughs> you stupid, stupid man. When it comes to you, I do have discriminating taste. And it's just, is it a good idea to ever be condescending to people that you want to buy stuff from you? I think is really where we where we land here. Yeah, it's right. just, it's not, it's not a good idea. Works for car salesmen. Well, okay. Well, uh, depends on who you bring in with you. Right. When when they do that crap to me, I'm like, look, man, I don't, I don't have to buy a car here. I can go buy a car anywhere. So uh, you're not gonna talk to me like that. We're gonna make a deal, or I'm gonna leave. You you yep. hear the stories about like people. It's like, yeah, th- this woman goes to buy a car with her husband or her dad, and the car salesman just talks exclusively to the man, and she's like, okay, yeah. you know, I'm the one buying the car. Screw you. We're gonna leave. Yeah. You deserve that. You deserve to lose that sale. Yup. And I do like when we reach the moment where he's like, brightness, I, I believe you stray into sarcasm. And she goes, funny, I thought I'd run straight into it screaming at the top of my lungs. And finally goes, I'll go help my wife. Mic drop. Yep. And so they come back. Okay, we have two choices on history. His condescension and friendliness now gone. Times and Passage, a single volume survey of Rosharan history since the hierocracy. I told my wife you would probably be insulted by such a shallow option, but she insisted. And Shalant's like, I am not insulted, but I do need something more detailed. And so then we get a set of four volumes, the same period of history, but focusing only on the interactions of the five Vorin kingdoms. And she's like, wait, there's five Vorin kingdoms? I thought there were only four. All right. But we do get what her the four are that she thinks. Yakaved, Alethkar, Karbranth, where we currently are, and Natanatan. United by religion, they had been strong allies during the years following the recreants. She's like, what was the fifth one? Who knows? And then here's some of those philosophy books you were talking about. I've had this Placini book read to me. It's quite good, actually. It's like, as for Gabrathen, we have four different volumes. My, but he was a prolific one. And a single book by Shaka Daughter Hasweth. I have to admit, I have not heard, had any of her work read to me. I didn't realize there were any Shin philosophers of note. And so Shalon goes for three of the, of the philosophy books and the history book. And I, I do like the little bit of information that we get about Shin from Shalon's perspective. A philosopher from distant Shin where people lived in mud and worshipped rocks. The man who had killed Yasna's father nearly six years ago had been Shin, the assassin in white, they called him. Which, that's a nice dramatic name, isn't it? Yeah. Again, Assassin's Creed, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, for buying this many, I'll give you a discount, let's say 10 emerald bromes. So there you go. There's jumping to the highest nomination for this sort of thing. He doesn't say 20 sapphire bromes. An emerald brome was the largest denomination worth a thousand diamond chips. And that's almost all the money that she has left. Or actually, I'm sorry. She only has about eight left. So that's slightly more than she has left. And she's just like, oh, I guess I'll only be able to get some of these books then. And starts pulling out her money. And here's where Yab comes in. He's like, brightness, my master bids you return. He's reconsidered his, his offer. And then he looks at the book merchant. Don't buy from this man. He's a liar and a cheat. My master will sell you finer books at a better price. And the guy's like, who, who the hell are you? Who's your master? Barmest. He goes, that rat. He sends a boy into my shop to steal my customers. 
she came to our shop first. And Shalon's like, man, this guy's a good actor. Okay. <laughs> you had your chance. Run along and tell your master I refuse to be swindled. And uh, let's see. He's like, how y'all was like, how much is he asking for these books? Ten emerald bromes for these seven books. And you didn't walk out? My master offered you a better deal than that. Come on. I'm sure we have the same books. He'll sell them to you at a better price. And the book, the book merchant's like, I didn't expect her to take the first offer. I mean, I'll take eight, which is how much she has. So that would have worked out. And y'all was like, no, no, I'm sure my master will be able to sell you these same books for two. And the, the book merchant's like, surely you're not going to be patronize someone so crass as to send a servant into someone else's shop. And he's like, and she's like, well, I mean, at least he didn't insult my intelligence. And the guy gets a glare from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's deserved. And then he's, he says two emerald, three sapphire, which since we know that like two sapphire is equal to one emerald per Joe's uh, mention earlier, uh, it should actually be like three emerald and one sapphire. But <laughs> maybe Brad Brandon hadn't even worked out the precise exchange or maybe that chart that no, I think I mean, is wrong. You know, yeah. yeah, well, it could be either of those things either yeah. way. Maybe it's like the you know on the dollar you're perceived to be less like how everything is something mm. like eight dollars but it's marked as seven ninety nine and you're like oh less than eight dollars like buy a hair but nah. I learned early yeah, on from my brother Data to to not view the price <laughs> that way he was like nine ninety nine no it's ten dollars Joe okay got it it's true it's actually ten eighty one after tax yeah it's actually ten and some change. Yeah, it's eight and a quarter for sales tax in in our good old Tejas. Eight and a quarter percent. Perception. Uh, And Yalb's like, what? No. If you want cheaper – no, I'm sorry. The guy tells him, if you want cheaper than that, then go with this guy. The books will probably be missing pages. And so finally she says, okay, I'll do it. And Yalb slinks away with with a curse from Art Art Mern's wife. I I can't. These freaking – Yeah, Art Mern. These names of the – who are these guys? Thalens? Yeah, the Thalens. Thank you. Uh, anyway, um, so Shalon, that's like a third of what the guy originally asked for these books. So she saved a lot of money. And like when she gets outside, Yalb's just hanging out, chilling. And she goes, how did you know that what, what, what a fair price was for the book? And he's like, fair price for a book? I don't know. I just figured that he'd be trying to take you for as much as he could. That's why I asked around for who his biggest rival was and came back to help him get more reasonable. Absolute fucking boss move. Yep. Yalb saves the day big time. And I like she's like, was it that obvious I let myself be swindled? He's like, well, yeah, just a little bit. But um, conning men like him is almost as much fun as cheating guards. Merchants is like mercenaries, my gammer always said. Only difference is that merchants will take your head off and then pretend to be your friend all the same. I, I, I like how that uh, harkens back to the Warbreaker mercenary discussions. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that until you said it. Damn it. <laughs> and he's just like, you paid that much for books? They're just pieces of wood. I could find driftwood and put funny marks on them, too. You going to pay me, Sears, for that? What is this? A sandwich with words? <laughs> but uh, she's like, no, I can't. I can't offer that. But here, take this. And she gives him the picture that she drew of him. It's like, oh, my gosh, that is like I'm seeing myself in a polished plate. And says, OK, back to the ship. And she says, no, back to the conclave. She's going to study these books. She's going to get started studying. She doesn't have much time. So the plan is study as much as possible. And then just before Yasna leaves town, make another play. And now since she's going to get her own alcove, she has to pay two sky marks, which um, sky marks are like the I think sapphire mark. So the second since they're blue, they're sky marks. And she's like, ah, geez, OK, that's a decent amount of money that uh, I didn't want to have to pay. But OK, 
and she pours like all of her remaining money into this little goblet lamp, which means that the color is a little bit uh, crazy because it's all these different color glowy stones to produce illumination. And so she tries to sit where Yasna can't possibly see her and she's going to start studying. And she's like, look, this isn't likely to work, but it's my last hope. So this is what we're going to do. And then all of a sudden she hears a voice. I'm never going to be rid of you, am I? And here's Yasna Colon just like standing there staring at her. And she's like, oh, Shalon's like, I'm sorry, right? I didn't mean to disturb you. And Yasna just like motions her to move over and then has a parchment carry over a chair for her. I bribed the servants to tell me if you returned to the veil. I did not want to be interrupted again. No, nah, don't apologize. And she looks at the book. She's like, oh, this is a good selection. You intended to study their content, their contents quickly, I assume, and try to impress me one last time before I left. A clever ploy. I should have put a time restriction on your reapplication. And she's like, I know why you were so desperate to be my ward. And Shalon's like, oh, shit, she knows. Your house has many enemies and your father is reclusive. It will be difficult for you to marry well without a tactically sound alliance. It's an interesting assumption that she's just like, oh, you want to get married. And so that's why you want to be my, <laughs> my ward. I got it. Yes, that reason and nothing else. From a woman who apparently is famously like older than most women for getting married to just immediately assume that I feel is a little bit odd. And she says, let me see your satchel. Brightness? You recall what I said about repeating myself. So she has to show her her satchel. And Yasna looks through all the pictures. And Shalon's like, is she, is she trying to watch her face? Like, is she mad? Is she surprised? Like, she just sees the picture of herself that Shalon drew. Like, is, is she going to be upset about that? And then she looks at the sketches from her trip of plants and animals and observations from her journey. Why have you made these sketches? And she's like, because I wanted to. Like, I don't know how to answer that. And Yasna goes, OK, I have rooms in the conclave granted to me by the king. Gather your things and go there. And so she is impressed most of all by the fact, the fact that Shalon pursues scholarship in her free time for the sake of scholarship. That is encouraging, perhaps the best argument you could make on your own behalf. So if I can't get rid of you, I may as well make use of you. Go and sleep. Tomorrow we begin early and you will divide your time between your education and helping me with my studies. So it worked. Yasna, I don't know that that's officially you are my ward now, but it it seems like a pretty good step here. Shalon's like, it had been a very, very long day, but I won. The first step is complete. And then do you guys see the picture of the Chulls after that? What? Yeah, like uh, I, it may be yeah. on like the following page or something. Yeah, I no, we, had a, but we had a blank page, so we didn't turn over. Oh, it, gotcha. It's before the start of the next chapter, so feel free to look if you like. But yeah, it, we see what the Chulls look like, and there are some oh. notes about uh, about their uh, the science or whatever. I want one. I want. I'm gonna pull this up to. I can read the the words better in a, a larger version of this picture because in my Kindle version it is very difficult to read. Chulls are everywhere, of course, and they come in a variety of shapes and sizes. They, there must be far more breeds of the animals than I had originally assumed. I've seen them pulling carts, boxes. I even saw a man riding one for transportation, though it seems like walking would be far faster. The shells, not as heavy as they look. In the, wilds, plant, in the wild, plants grow in the crevices, and a sleepy chull looks much like a boulder. Apparently, the beasts are not hurt if the shell is cracked or even shaped. Some people sand flat places on top to ride, and many carts are hooked to fittings drilled directly into the shell. That seems mean, but I guess if it doesn't hurt them. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like there's sort of a hermit crab thing, and it's just the rock that they take. Yeah, maybe. They hollow it out, make themselves a home, and then if they get too big, it's like, I'm going to find a bigger rock. 
Many of the drivers on the co- here on the coast direct the animals by tapping on their antenna with a long pole. So, yeah, kind of neat. So th- that is the end of our chapters. Uh, and like I said, I think the next three chapters are going to be uh, Kaladin chapters. While I'm on the subject, before we move into predicaments, I will just go ahead and say, for next time, as I previously mentioned, we are doing six chapters. It will be the la- 9, 10, and 11 are the last three chapters of part one of this book. Between part one and part two are interludes. There are three interlude chapters. So interlude one, two, and three. is uh, We'll read chapter 9, 10, 11, and then interlude one, two, and three. I'll go ahead, and, so I don't forget to mention it later. In interlude one, I have some additional homework for you guys. Oh, Jesus. We are going to meet three characters in interlude one who are going by what the the person who were in their viewpoint is like, yeah, the names that they're using are fake. Like he he assumes that they're going by fake names. These are three people that you have met before. And I want you to try and come come prepared next time with Ooh. predictions about Ooh. or guesses in, about in this who same these three book are. Or, I, or I did not say that. I said that okay. you've met them before. That's all I'm going right. to say. So see if you can figure out, and we'll discuss when we get to that chapter next week, who we think these three guys are. Oh, um, What's the time frame on this one? You said this book's like 100 years before Era 2 of Mistborn, yeah? Not 100 years. Hold on. Let me bring up the, the calendar thingy that I've been using, and I will... But it's well, not doesn't need to be specific, but this is like this book takes place somewhere between Era 1 and Era 2, yeah? Uh, so all the... the first five Stormlight books take place shortly before Era 2, if I remember correctly. Okay, right. Um, on the whole, let me see. So this specific one would be, we're in the Way of Kings. Seth is born. I don't care about that. <laughs> this would be where we are currently, according to this timeline, is the year 10,955, and Wax returns 10,967. So this would be about 12 years, if the, if this is correct, before the beginning of Alloy of Law. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's a good point that uh, obviously, you know, if someone hasn't been born yet, uh, that was an era too, then they are probably not the people who are going to be showing up. So uh, yeah. his his son, Maxilium, probably not the guy. Predigments. Let's, uh, what do you guys think? Where are we going? What's going to happen next in this book? Well, we've really only got Shallan to go on. Like, we've got nothing for Kaladin at this point. And yeah. the next few chapters, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how the interludes work, but you said we're doing six chapters. The next three are Kaladin. And then the interludes, like, who knows if Shallan and Yasna are even going to show up? I don't know. I think, uh, I, I, I feel like Shallan is probably going to really, I, I feel like she knows she can't obviously lean on asking too much about the Soulcaster, or else it's going to make it obvious her little scheme to steal it once it's once that's been done so i i don't know i you know she needs to learn about the soul caster she needs to learn about how to use it so maybe now that she's been taken in and she knows she's on a time crunch she needs to manufacture situations where the soul caster is necessary so that she can see it in action and study it that way so i think she's gonna like maybe get yelled and some and some of the other guys to help her out they're gonna like try and set up I don't know about emergencies or just, but specific situations that can only be solved by the soul caster just so she can see it operate. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can see if, because one of the things she said was, I need to find out where she keeps it. So if you come out with reasons for it to come out, then yeah, you're a lot more likely to see either where it came from or where it goes to after. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. To like, 
she also needs to know how to use it. There's not much point stealing it if you can't figure that out. So she needs to see it being used and sort of extrapolate from that. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I, really... I like, I like this prediction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I really got this time. Food for thought. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we're, if, if there's no more Shalon and uh, Yasna for this section of the book, at least, then you can't predict much based on that. And we have, we didn't see any new Kaladin stuff this time. So nothing that you can add unless you came up with something between last time and this time. Cannot say that I did. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with uh, with Dak. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen any Kaladin so far. So with Shalon, I mean, she's being taken on now. So perhaps we'll get to see some kind of stuff going forward with her and Yasna. But I don't know the way that these sections are written. It may be that we shift to different characters for a while. Even we may even lose Kaladin after a while for for this section that's coming up. I don't know. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm just going to kind of stick with what I've already theorized in the past because there's not really a whole lot to go on. Just that we now know that she's been taken on, and so I I will put out the theory that she's not going to be able to do she's not going to be able to swap these things out that's not i i really just don't think that's going to work for her she's going to have to and and maybe it'll even be one of those things where she wants to really get involved with yasna and learn stuff and actually want to learn things how she's going to save her family that way i don't know i mean even if yasna can teach her how to use the soul caster then she can just maybe she can just go home and use it herself or if they could find some way to fix it or I don't know something, but I don't think, uh, I don't think it's the, obviously I don't think the story is going to go how, how this character is planning at this very moment. Sure. I mean, yeah, that that's probably a fair guess at this point in the book, right? When everything is setting up and we've been told her plan, probably not going to go to plan. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not by any, you know, I'm not in any way saying that my prediction is groundbreaking, but that is my prediction. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, makes sense to me. Okay, so I think that somehow Shalon is going to try and swap out the Soulcaster with the broken one. And I think how she's going to do that is that Yasna needs her smokestone either replaced or something repaired, or I don't know whether she has to send that off to get someone to insert a stone. So maybe maybe Yalb can can be involved with some lightness of hand or try and be involved in in putting a situation together of some sort not really sure how he'll be involved but i think he's got to he's got to be involved he's very useful (laughs) to shallon so i i really hope we actually see more of him whether it's immediately or maybe it's a bit further down the line who knows but i definitely hope we see him soon but i think that's her opportunity whatever she's got to do to to fix it uh, for yasna to fix her soul stone that's her soul caster sorry that's her opportunity to swap them out if she was going to. Also could be reason enough that it doesn't work anymore because she thought it would cost her a stone, but maybe something's happened in the in the repair or something. It might might help. Or she might actually be able to take it long enough to do what she needs and get it back, maybe. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I I think that's that's gonna happen there. The other thing that I'm – so the epigraphs, thinking about those a little bit, I'm thinking that, well, you've kind of – even though we've only looked at the two dates, you've kind of confirmed my idea that they're in order 
So what, for the information we have now, what I would think is one of two things. These are either like research entries from one of the books that Shallon's just bought or perhaps Yasna's done some research that is a little more shady um, than maybe some of her other research uh, and maybe these are her notes and findings from from certain areas. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what she'd be engaged in to, to capture everyone's death per mm. se, but if she's she's kind of the only researcher that we really know at this point. So it would make sense, like, if Shallon had now been taken on as a ward and to be tutored by her to have some materials presented to her that might lead us up to a particular point in time or something. That's kind of what my suspicions are there. Okay. And that they're in order. You know, we had things mixed around. Miss Bonnie were at one. They were all over the shop. But I think these are in order. They seem to be going in a consecutive time order. Now, now I have to know because I've never thought about that before. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going to go back to the previous chapter and see if that's so. The first one now was Palashivitz, 1172. The last one was Veveshes, 1172. So let's look back at that chart and find out when Veveshes, 1172 was. So Veveshev is, that's month four. And so the one after that was month five, and the one after that was month ten. So yeah, no, that uh, at least with those three chapters, it totally holds true. Cool. I do, Happy. <laughs> <laughs> I do like your thought that it's like maybe like it could delay. Shalon could delay things long enough to like return home, use the soulcaster, and come back. But I can't decide if that's possible. It took her six months to get here, but that doesn't necessarily mean. I mean, she was like stopping looking for her along the way. Maybe it wouldn't take yeah. six whole months to get back. And it took us six months to find Shallon. To find like, yeah, to catch up to her. Right. Not Yasna. Sorry. Yeah, she is Shallon. But uh, so she went back home. She did that. It might look really odd if, you know, like Yasna spends this time trying to fix her soul caster from the time Shallon leaves and then Shallon comes back. And after that, it's like, hey, it's working again. That would probably be super suspicious. But maybe, maybe it could work. It would be. But maybe by that point, her family saved. Yeah, she doesn't like, care as much. About comes point. into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Okay. No, I like that. We got some decent predicaments, even though, as, as Dak pointed out, it was kind of hard to draw any conclusions about a lot of it from what we got this time. All right. Let's go on to emails. We don't have any new patrons, any new reviews this time. So, But we have three emails. So we might be able to do all these. The first one is from Becca. It says, Way of Kings. Hey, y'all. So excited to experience the Stormlight Archive with you. I've been listening for about a year and a half and originally used your second era Mistborn podcast to refresh my memory when I first heard its official release date. I assume she means refresh her memory before the new book came out. Uh, since then, I've been listening to all of your adventures and loving seeing what you may predict next. I'm su I, I super excited to hear for Stormlight since it is the series I know best. I'm most excited. Uh, okay, and that's potentially a little bit of a spoiler. I'm not going to read that last part. Happy hunting from Becca. Thanks. Yeah. I'm excited for Stormlight also. And it's Thanks, uh, I, I, Becca. I've heard other people uh, like recommend the show. If somebody's like, how, how do I, uh, you know, try to get refreshed on what happened before I read a new book or whatever, which it makes sense. You could do that. I feel like it's a long way around. It might be as long as reading as listening to the audiobook to listen to us talk about them. But, <laughs> you know, whatever works for you. The next email is from Diaria. The Way of Warbreakings is the title. <laughs> Hello, crew. 
I'd been falling behind on the podcast since I decided to read Warbreaker along with y'all and just didn't find the energy to. Then someone on the Discord mentioned that The Way of Kings is beginning, so I've successfully binge-listened to all of Warbreaker episodes in the past week. Jamie and Dak mentioned, I think, that reading Warbreaker in one go may have been more satisfying. I can say that this is not true. All of the feelings the crew put forth about the ending were very much in my head when I first read it, and I haven't really heard all that many people complain about it. I'm glad I wasn't just weird for not enjoying the pacing, the abrupt ending, and the cool moments being sparsely placed. I think Brandon relied too heavily on the annotations for this and that the whole writing in public thing did not work. I could easily imagine him rewriting the book after draft one to sort out all the problems if he'd had a chance. I think he did several drafts, so it's not like he didn't have the chance. Nonetheless, I'm really excited for the Way of Kings episodes. I'm not going to try to read along, but hope you guys enjoy. Please remember, it's the first in book in 10. As a standalone, I don't know that it's that strong, but it's worth it for this, all the setup and world building it brings. Uh, pause. I don't know that I agree with that, but moving on. Data, have you considered reading Way of Kings Prime on the Patreon once the year of Sanderson is over? It's a pretty interesting read, and I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Closing to the time of next, Colo Diary. P.S. Fashion. Uh, I guess I'll take that, my question. Uh, I have not considered that. I have the Way of Kings Prime from the Kickstarter, and I have not read it. I started, like, chapter one at some point and was like, eh. because, uh, okay, for for you guys, I don't know that we've discussed this. The Way of Kings was one of the first books that Brandon wrote, one of his early, before he ever got published books. Eventually, after he was published and he decided to start doing the Stormlight Archive, he completely rewrote it, made it a very different story in, in this version that it finally became. And so a lot of the characters are the same. Some of them have the same names but are different. Some of them are different but have the same names, stuff like that. Some of the story points are similar. But it's in a lot of I know that in a lot of ways it's a more traditional, maybe more what you would have expected, like Kaladin, you know, becomes a big hero at the beginning for winning that battle or saving someone's life and ends up on the Shattered Plains as a, you know, a, a hero type person, something like that. I don't, I don't even know for sure, but kind of the story that you might have expected about the 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 lowly spearman becoming big and because of how good he is instead of what actually happens where he gets turned into a slave and sent to the shattered planes that way. So it's an interesting, I'll give some thought to maybe doing the way of Kings prime on the Patreon if I don't have anything else going on, because that would give me a reason. I started reading it and I was like, I don't know that I want to read the different version of this because I like the version that I have read besides which I don't want to start then getting confused about, wait, which one is the version that actually happened where I'm thinking back on events but it might, if we don't have something else to put up on the Patreon, that might be worthwhile. I'll, I'll think about that. Okay, last email from Matt. Hey, Sander Lanch crew. I've been a fan of the podcast for a while, listening week to week while you guys were covering Bands of Mourning. I fell off due to life, but when I saw you started Way of Kings, I decided to start the binge to catch up on Lost Metal now. Quick question. I feel like I remember you all having hesitation to start Stormlight Archive, and I was wondering, if so, why? Stormlight is my favorite book series, and in my opinion, peak Cosmere. I'll... I, I don't know that it was a hesitation to start Stormlight Archive. I think it was more, do we start it before or after the Lost Metal was the real question. Because we didn't know what the Lost Metal was going to bring before it came out. We had some hesitations. Well, not so much hesitations about the book itself, but just the scope of it. We talked about it in the last Warbreaker episode. Okay. That's fair. I yeah. Mean, and I think our other hesitation, like you said, was that we didn't know what Lost Metal was going to have. And then even when you did read it, you were trying to decide. Yeah. Um, and I think most of us were on the side of, well, let's finish out Era 2 if we can. Right. And so I think most of us were pretty happy with that decision because it was like it would be weird to 
read all of the Stormlight Archive and then go back to this other book for after a really long time of not having read the previous ones. But uh, yeah, and that's fair. From my perspective, there wasn't a question about whether the, uh, the, the podcast was going to do like before we even I don't know if it was before we started, but definitely before we finished the final empire, the first book that we read, I had outlined all the books that Brandon had written and what order we would read them in, assuming we made it that far. So Stormlight was always on the list. It was always where it is now, more or less. I mean, it was it was after what of Era 2 existed at the time. And then Warbreaker was after Era 2. And this was after Warbreaker like that, that order except for the addition of new things that came out and the fact that we had to move white sand around because we we're waiting on them to actually get the books out other than that the order has not changed much since i originally put it together way back when we first started so it wasn't a question to me of if we were going to read it assuming the podcast made it this far it was just uh the the big the biggest question was where's lost metal gonna fit in uh okay moving on with his email I'm very excited to see the reaction you all have to Stormlight and hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I do. I've never seen a podcast or talked to someone who consumed basically the whole of the Cosmere before Stormlight. And so I'm excited to see what different perspectives you all might have. And then he has a question that's just for me that he wants me to email him about. So I will do that. So, yeah. Thanks, Matt. I don't know if there's more we need to touch on that. Thanks, everybody who sent was, us an email. I was, was going to say, it's like, oh, not quite the whole Cosmere stuff. Because like it was still the secret project ones, but I guess they came out well well after. Yeah, they've come yeah, out recently yeah. enough that so probably most people don't count that. This, yeah, this year. Yeah, we did we did everything pr- that was published before we, like beforehand. Cosme, aside from those three. Oh, and that one short story. Yeah, the one mm-hmm. short story that we haven't done yet. That's true. Yeah, I uh, I got notification in my book shipped, so it should be here soon. Excellent. I got mine finally. Oh, why did I get mine last? You got all the Sanderson stuff. I know, right? It is very pretty. Jack was not wrong about that. Yeah, I've, I've got it next. I've got the, I've got the three Cosmere ones: the Tress and Yumi and the Sunlit Man next to the Leatherbounds uh, of Brandon's books on my shelf, and then the Frugal Wizard is like on a totally different shelf between the two Mistborn bookends because I was like, I don't know where to put this. It doesn't fit. Like my my one Sanderson <laughs> shelf is like maximum capacity now so the next time a book comes out i'm gonna have to find a new place to put it uh but yes so thank you everyone if you want to send us an email the address is the sanderlanch at gmail.com find us on instagram and twitter and patreon where i've been doing my uh, my read through of the sunlit man and just two days ago from our perspective i put up my unboxing of the sunlit man box which, uh, which features the pin of a Stormlight character that we have met. Oh, wow. I'm just going to assume it's Kaladin. I haven't seen it, but that's my assumption. Well, we, we do already have a Shallan pin, so... Oh, was there a Shallan pin in uh, one of the yeah. other boxes? I don't remember which box it came in. Uh, it From your perspective, it was probably just like, hey, it's some redheaded girl. I don't know who that is. Yeah, well, I didn't get that box because I've only gotten the book boxes. I think you may have helped me when I unboxed that one, if I remember right, mm-hmm. though. I, feel I, like I remember a discussion about who's this redheaded girl. Oh, it's somebody from Stormlight. I got you. But yes, so, uh, you know, check out our Patreon if you're interested in that sort of thing. Listening to me go on and on. And maybe I'll read uh, I'll read The Way of King's Prime once we run out of uh, new Brandon books for a while. Because after after Sunlit Man, the next Brandon book that we know of, it, I think it may be the next Skyward book, which is in November. Well, that's next month. Yeah, it's next month. So, yeah. The con. 
it's uh when the that's coming happen, up quick that's when it'll drop yep so we i won't run out of books for a little bit longer at least i don't know when the next one is after that it may be stormlight five which would be the next november hmm. but we'll see so thanks everybody thanks for emailing thanks uh patrons and other people you guys are all awesome remember for next time we're reading the last three chapters of part one chapters 9 10 11 and then the three interludes which are in between part one and part two i think i think that it's always three interludes between each part i i think it's consistently three so um that'll be all the interludes this time oh that's that's just an ongoing thing yeah every uh, between every part there's uh there's interludes and uh brandon Same. tends to use the interludes in these stormlight books as ways to show us some expand on the world a little bit because right now we've got these two main characters, right? One is on the Shattered Plains and one is in Carbronth. But as we've noted multiple times, this is a very big world. And so he'll use the interludes to kind of show us a little a little slice of life happening somewhere else on the planet, usually. Not how always, many, but sometimes. How many parts to the book are there? Oh, uh, let me take a look. How many parts to this book are there? Uh, there are five parts. Oh, that tracks with the whole fives and tens thing it has going on. I guess it does. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. But yes, um, so check out, if you're following along, three chapters and three interludes for next time. I was just looking at the chapter titles. Uh, two of two of the interludes are named after like the, the character whose perspective you're in for that interlude. And then the third interlude is called The Glory of Ignorance, <laughs> which, which is a fun title. Uh, so yes, come back next time for, for uh, wrapping up part one. Part one was called Above Silence. Music by Miracle of Sound. Six chapters for next time, and wasing to the time of next. Colo, P.S. Fasher. Crab at the... Still haven't decided it. Crabs Ahoy! We had, we, had, we had a couple people on the Discord. Yeah, I still like, like Crabs Ahoy. A couple of people on the Discord were like, Crabs Ahoy is definitely funnier. Yeah. And then there were solidly two or three people who were just like, I hate both of these. You, these this cannot be what you're going to make us listen to the entire series. And uh, it is a little early for us to just be like, yeah, for all of Stormlight, this is what we're going to add to the thing. So, you know, we could come across something better later. I'm not going to discount that, but... I think it's kind of fun. So we can even switch up. We can, we can do crab at these sometimes and crabs ahoy sometimes. Just mix it up. It's like the Dick Van Dyke show opening where you never know which one you're going to get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.